Welcome to Couples Critiquing Cinema. The podcast where couples discuss rom-coms. I'm Tash. And I'm Dylan. Tonight we are diving into Mamma Mia. General thoughts on the film. I've seen it before. This was my first watch. It was? Yeah. So how did you find it? I thought it was a lot better than what I was expecting. I was expecting something a lot different. Different hat? Yeah, like growing up, lots of people talked about this film and it was very much like... I don't know. Just it just sounded boring the way people would talk about it. Something about a girl getting married. That was the description I was always given. So you had pretty low expectations. Yeah, and I feel like they exceeded those expectations. Hmm. It was a it was a lot more fun, a lot more flirty, a lot more flirty. Yeah. In what way? Just like the all the characters interacting was a lot more. Like, engaging than I thought it was going to be. Off the top of your head, who's your favourite character? Tanya. Is that how you say her name? It begins with a T. I think it's Tanya. I can check. Okay. Who is your favourite character? Um, I don't know, I'm a hardcore Donna simp, really. I think Meryl Streep's great. She is great and I think, every film she's been in. Tanya, yeah. Yeah, I thought... Uh, I don't think I've seen a Meryl Streep film that you've, like, hated. Have you seen The Iron Lady? No. Well, there you are. <laughs> yeah, no. This is a movie that I watched a lot growing up. Uh, my mom, my grand, my aunt were obsessed with it. I see, like, my family never really watched it. I think my mum maybe watched it once, but it was never something that was, like, on a lot. You know, I don't talk about this movie a lot, I feel like. We mm. listen to the music, but everybody does. But it's ABBA, and ABBA's, yeah. like, iconic. It is. But I think ABBA is also largely iconic, probably because of this film. Yeah. I think a large portion of that is due to Mamma Mia. Mm. Like, um, uh, some uh, Elton John songs in Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Even though I don't talk about it a lot, and haven't seen it that many times, I can still put it on smile, sing along, and I get goosebumps in certain scenes. Yeah. As you saw. Yes, when we watched it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it works with the music as well. The music fits each scene, which some, like, some musicals that used, like, bands music feels kind of clunky and stuff. But Mamma Mia, I feel like every single song kind of, like, fitted exactly where it needed to be. Yeah, I think the production team has worked hard to integrate the songs with the actual plot of the movie. Mm. And uh, most of the time it's perfect. Some times, like, maybe the the winner takes it all. Mm. That was, yeah, we were talking about that when we watched the film. We were like, this is probably the one that fits the least. But it still works. Like, we still get why it's there. Story-wise, it makes sense why she wants to say that to him. But while you're watching the film, you're like, this is not a song that I'm going to come back to. Or this is not a scene that I'm like, yes. It worked. You could connect the dots. But it was also the one that was most clearly... It felt like the scene was pushed because of that song. song. Yeah. Which I feel like in other musicals you can really feel. But with this one, it was only that one song I feel like that really stuck out. Right. So should we get into some of our notes? Yes. Okay. I think the the best thing to point out right from the start is that this is written and directed by two women. And I feel like a lot of rom-coms, especially rom-coms that are written by men or directed by men, sometimes feel off. Or there's certain scenes or certain characters where you're like, this doesn't feel right. And I think 
having a female director and having a female writer and having them direct a, f- a mainly female cast allows it to feel more natural. How does it feel more natural? I just feel like sometimes men can't connect with women directing in a way that's like, the film is about Donna and her daughter. They're the main characters. And I feel like when you have a man, it feels a little bit divorced because he won't know a a mother-daughter relationship the way a female director would. And I feel like when you have a female director, especially since female directors aren't given the chance and the space to direct as openly. I mean, better now than like, 30 years ago but it's still not great they still don't take up as much space as they should it's not 50 50 and i feel like when you have a female writer if you have a female director you can really feel like women are getting a time to speak if you get what i mean i understand that's a much more deep thing than what i first wrote what did you first write i said that the opening editing of the actual film was quite stylish I wrote down that the editing felt very 2000s. Very, very 2000s. It's got a style. It's got a montage, which was so 2000s rom-coms. It's a part of the movie that, because some scenes are etched in my brain, Mm. some, like the opening, I'd completely forgotten that we started on the three fathers and their different lives and them all getting the phone call to Mm. come to the wedding, them all getting, making their way there. Uh, it's a letter, but like they Getting both it. get a. F- mm-hmm. I think uh, maybe I'm remembering it, r- it wrong, but. Getting ready to leave. Yeah, I just thought the stylish. It was a kind of stylized editing. Mm. And that's the first thing I, I noted there. I feel like throughout the film you see a, like two or three montages, which I think really like. It th- gives the film some consistency, I think. I think it's more the most frequent when it's right at the beginning. Yes. But yeah. What about you? The first thing, like, one of the first notes I have is that I like that there was a subplot that wasn't about romance, even though this is a, like, romance film, and it's in the romance genre. And, like, as the film goes on, each family character has their own thing that they're concentrating on. That's not about finding a guy. Like, uh, Rosie has her book, and Donna has her hotel and her daughter, and Sophie has... Finding her father is something that she wants to do by the end of the the film, and I thought it was really interesting because, like, very quickly in the setup of the film, like the first sort of like act, if you will, all of those are set up. You, you know, you find out that Rosie's a writer. You find out that Donna is taking care of this hotel. You find out that Sophie wants to know her her biological father. And what about your favorite character? What does she want? See, I feel like she's a little bit more ambiguous. I think. She doesn't have like a defined. Tanya doesn't have like a defined want throughout the film. She's more wants like a good she just time. wants to have fun. Yeah. But she doesn't have like a very easily describable goal. I feel like. But I think yeah, she she just wants to have a good time. One thing I think that's great about this is that they are clearly, and you don't see the this a lot, for, especially for films nowadays, but it's shot on location. Yes. It's, can you imagine this any other way? Absolutely not. No, I feel like even like the the shots of like the boat and the sunset. The water. Even the the buildings themselves add character. And I feel like if you created a set, it wouldn't fit as well. Like uh, a few pages down, down the road, I wrote that every single shot is so colourful. Yes. This, this set is, whether it's... 
it was done like this for the movie or they just found an absolute gem of a place to shoot yeah and slightly <laughs> altered it but every shot is so colorful so many blues so many whites and it feels so consistent throughout the film. Like blue and white is uh, colors I think you can see in the poster, in the film, like in what they wear, in the backgrounds, in the sky. Like blue and white is definitely two colors I would describe this film. I think with. it's intentional because the two colors of obviously this movie takes place in Greece. Yes. And the flag, the two colors are blue and white. Hmm. So slightly intentional. You think? I yeah, think so. it's a it's a nod to Greece. I think also just the fact that there's so many female relationships that feel so honest. I feel like so often in rom-coms there'll be like the main female character and like the evil ex-girlfriend or the evil girlfriend or the opposing girl. Whereas like in this film in particular, in this romance film, all of the women are there to support each other and to stand together and to develop as characters together, which I quite like. There's no competition. Yes. There's not really an There's antagonist. No. And I feel like often in, in romance films or rom-coms, there is always like a female antagonist. So it's refreshing to see women in film, especially in romance films, not going against each other for once. Yeah. I feel like a lot of films follow the mean girls trend of having like bullies. Well, a lot of romance films do follow a high school plot which having like a mean girl kind of makes sense but i feel like too many films have that problem where it's like there has to be this like mean girl it is sharpie if you will (laughs) it is kind of nice not having to worry about somebody yes your biggest worry is if donna and uh sophia are gonna get on yeah or if she will which which one's the dad that's your biggest worry throughout the film what's your favorite relationship in the film do you think um, that's really hard to say because there's a lot of good one of the points that I was just about to bring up is the fact that the cast has such good chemistry Yes. the Donna Dynamos I feel like if you could have told me we're a real group hmm. and they've been friends for decades I would have believed you Yeah. Sophie and her friends much less so yeah they're like kind of in the background the two friends of Sophie but then again, they are younger actors, and so the the older cast, the Donna Dynamo, Dynamos, presumably, had friends for decades, yeah. and they bring that experience to it. Which I think works, because obviously, like, they are older actresses, and they're supposed to be playing, like, a mother and her older friends. Yeah. And that would make sense that they've known each other for so long. Yeah, I think, um... It's probably, it. I don't know if I could choose. There's so many great relationships just from the Donna Dynamos to Sophie and Donna has themselves. It is very sweet and it feels real. But then again, I do enjoy um, Sam and Donna. Hmm. I just feel like Sophie and Donna are so real in terms of a mother-daughter relationship. And not that the mother-daughter relationships are uncommon, but I feel like they get less time to f- be focused on. And, like, the fact that they fight and she's like, oh, you're taking this away from me and you don't want me to get married because I'm young. And Donna's like, where the hell has this come from? What the fuck? Um, and they kind of have that spat. And then it kind of just breezes over, which I feel like so often, like, parents, kids will have a blow-up 
and the mum will ha- or the mum will have a blow up and then they'll just kind of like move on from it without really trying to like in the film it's Sophie who's like do you want to help me get ready a mother-daughter relationship one of them will the mother will be like do you want to you know help me cook dinner and then the kind of conflict is over so I felt very seen or related to it in that way yeah with the conflicts because I feel like with conflicts in terms of a mother-daughter relationships it's often very much like you have the fight and then you just kind of move past it because you know you're your family ironically the two don't actually share that many scenes Donna spends more time with her friends and uh, the three potential dads than her own daughter mm. but that does make those scenes a little bit special and we cherish those very sweet moments uh, they stand the, out the two share the they do stand out yeah exactly I think they're both wonderful characters and wonderful actresses so when they are together they do very much hone in your attention I always looked at this movie um, through the lens of Donna being the main character. Mm. I know some people don't see that, and probably I would imagine that Sophie actually has more screen time. I think so, I would say. But I think everything centres around Donna. And um, as good as both the actors are, I think uh, Meryl is probably the standout one, obviously. But she's another pay grade and above the rest of the actors in this movie. Mm. One of the things, one of the slightly weirder things I noted down was the uh, the little James Bond reference. Oh, I did not. Take, well, I don't know James Bond as well as you do. Well, who would you imagine a James Bond reference to come from out of all the cast? One of the dads, probably. Yeah, which one? I must say Harry. Yeah, so he he's British. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he introduces himself as a bright harry bright he does i miss that and um i actually picked up another james well of course piers brosnan Mm. the actor who plays sam also played james bond he did yeah and there's actually a funny story with piers and the mamma mia Mm. movie is that uh i'm not sure if it was the second one mamma mia movie or the first but uh Daniel Craig, the replacement for James Bond, after P.S. was filming at the same time as P.S. when he was doing a Mamma Mia movie. And they left set, P.S. being in flamboyant costumes covered in feathers, (laughs) actually passed Daniel Craig. And that was the first time they were seeing each other. But yeah. I think that's such a great film to move on to is Mamma Mia. To go from like... After James Bond? A British film that's so... Like ingrained in British culture to then move on to a film that explodes like for its own merits. I think that's such an interesting transition. Yeah. But I think also with the the female friendships want to bring up um oh yes, that it passes the Bechdel death I think a couple of times. So there's one where they're like talking about their cream, talking about how she needs to live more with, like, Rose needs to live more with her book, and there is a couple scenes where they do pass the Bechdel test, and I think it's not a great test, because, you know, there are some, like, for example, Alien doesn't pass the Bechdel test, because Ripley's character is such a move forward for women, so it doesn't always showcase a feminist film, but I do think it's, it's a good test of time to see, like, 
do these women talk about something other than a man? And they do a few times, I think. I was a bit surprised when you said Alien hadn't passed it. Because Ripley in my head... Ripley is the only female character in Alien. In the first Alien film, Ripley is the only woman in there. There's one, I think, secretary, but she doesn't have a name, so she doesn't count. She doesn't have a name? You need to have a name to pass. She's not named? Nope. Because I was about to say, there's definitely a, a female pilot. Yeah, but they don't they don't have names, and you need an, a female with a name, and wow. a woman who. I can't top, believe they yeah. didn't give her a name. She doesn't have a name. Well, yeah, I guess uh, she doesn't have a lot of time to discuss with <laughs> um, the rest of her crew, since... She's so quickly isolated. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We segued from, from Mamma Mia to James to Bond film? to Alien. Yeah. I like it. I like where this is going. Swinging right back to Mamma Mia, <laughs> I'll just mention that the dance choreography is, yes. I think, is really good. I think um, they were involved not just with the music, but also the set. Yeah. They roll around. The Donna they jump tries on to. They jump, jump on platforms. They, Donna tries to get in the the goat attic. I think it is. Yeah. She tries to fix the crack. She's, Rosie almost falls off the roof. Yeah, like I, they they interact. It makes the set feel more alive mm. and not just a literal set. Yeah. For the for the actor to walk across. I feel like as well, like film, like musicals, for example, like Hairspray, have very. Uh, choreographed complicated dances but there was like many scenes like the one with the the statue where they take him away didn't feel choreographed or there's one where they're all like standing on the dock there was loads of extras and they're all dancing around it didn't feel choreographed and it felt more like a bunch of people just having fun yeah which felt like it worked for the film if you watch the behind the scenes it actually seems ironically like a very kind of stressful set Ooh. particularly for extras because there's this there's people just uh with like microphones screaming at these people to get it right God. and do it right and take after take after take and they were really particular about the shots i think it doesn't look that way it doesn't you <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't think that, wanted. yeah you wouldn't think that they're you know a bunch of guys in like flippers yeah. jumping in the water would take that many takes but apparently it took quite a lot mm. any movie that has a dad montage earns a little bit of respect in my book and I yes. absolutely love that we love to see involved fathers yeah wow the bar is so low <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like um, when I think of a dad montage I think of um, what's that new Disney movie about the red panda turning red turning red I was going to say seeing red but that's not quite right Although that could also work, seeing red. Mm. Turning red's better. But yeah, like when the dad was cooking. That's as quick, but a very efficient dad montage. And very loving montage. Like he puts a lot of love into his food and yeah. it's for his like wife and his kid. And in the dad montage here, like they're so charis- charismatic, all three of them, but they're quite similar. Uh, and one of the things that so similar in is that they, they have a deep connection with Sophie. Mm. And they, even though they all go on this trip together, they all spend individual time doing something different. They all have their own thing they can bond with Sophie with. They all bring something to the table. You know, Harry starts us off with singing to her. Then Sam has, like, the drawings with her. Yeah, and um, Bill teaches her to sail. And, they, yeah, they all have, like, 
an activity to have like with Sophie. They're not fighting over her. Yeah. Like one the, third of her is Yeah. <laughs> like that's perhaps the most unrealistic thing in the whole movie is that they don't really try and fight each other. They're perfectly like in uh, Three Men and a Baby, which we do need to watch. I, don't, I haven't seen it. It's is, it is very kind of close to it, but uh, that's for another time. But yeah, I love the dad, dad montage. I want to talk about like the women who are older. I don't feel like older women get to be anything other than caregivers, whether it's grandmothers or parents or even like background characters. They don't get a chance to just be older women in their like middle age or late age drinking having fun and still singing and still enjoying life as human beings without being pushed into a caregiver role because even donna who is a mother isn't spending her whole arc of this film like running after sophie she has her moments with her her two friends and i love that yeah i think um I, I like the focus on the old cast. I think, like, not that they are sexualized, but I think a lot of the sexual focus is entirely, you know, rooted around the older women in this yeah. movie. Especially with uh, the song. Yeah, I think. Yeah, particularly that one. You know, I, I think it's important, and certainly something you don't see a lot. To allow women to be kind of like not to even like be seen as attractive but to feel confident feel confident in themselves. yeah and all three of them feel that way in their own ways uh, i don't think a single one of them needs a little bit of validation yeah which is good i think uh we mentioned performances uh not all of which are good in this film mm. uh at times um i've i've totally forgotten his name but the husband the husband to be of Sophie. of Sophie. I don't remember his name. <laughs> Neither do I. I weirdly think it's Sam, but I think that's one of the dads. That is the dad. Sky. Yes. Sky. What a stupid name. Yeah. Um, Sky came across as a little bit weird, a little bit douchey. Just a bit unlikable, really, for me. I thought his writing felt a little off. Yeah. And I thought felt the off delivery as well. Didn't help that. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think the relationship was healthy? Because I don't think it was. I don't think it was at all. I think it was trying to... He tried to portray it as, oh, you know, they're like every couple. But the things he said and the way he overreacted to nearly everything. Mm. Which is so funny because I feel like often in films, women are not portrayed as overreacting even if the situation feels called for. The way they frame the film feels like, oh, she's having a big like reaction to it and I think it's quite interesting that we feel that it's the opposite that it's the boyfriend or the fiance that's doing this do you get what I mean I think so I I just think he was I don't think nearly as much work was put into who he is and yeah the writing for him because you know there's points where he questions uh if Sophie wants to get married and you he know, even says loved at one point. He really cares about getting married. He yes. doesn't want the dads as a, discri- as a distraction. He wants this marriage. Mm. But the writers kind of forgot that when they just... He was so quick to give it up. Mm. At the end of the movie, he doesn't even question it. 
Yeah, she says, let's not get married, and he... He just picks her up and he smiles. And, like, that version of him doesn't match the other versions we've seen. He really wanted to get married. But also, he wanted to get married in, like, a small gathering with a couple of witnesses because he mentions that in their argument when he says, like, I loved you. And, um, like, and he's... She's making this big wedding out to meet her parent, like, her biological father or whatever. And it was almost like he was blaming her for having to have a wedding. Like, a big wedding. Like, he just wanted to be married and done and over with. Like, to be a husband or whatever. Without actually having the wedding part, which I thought was a bit strange. He was, like, the only kind of member of the main cast, if you want to include him. Because <laughs> he's in, like, uh, three yeah. seasons. Uh, I just didn't feel like mesh. Yeah. And I think, like... That made the two of us agree with Sam so much when he kept saying to Donna, like, is this what Sophie would pick for herself if she didn't have to take care of you? Like, we ne- I don't think that I can recall we really see Donna talk about Sky mm. Because I like to think that Donna doesn't fully, isn't fully convinced yet. Yeah. But she is... I think that's why they have the argument where she's like, where Sophie's like, you don't want me to get married. Yeah. You know? And she she automatically thinks that uh, they're fighting, yeah, and that she says she can call it off. Maybe that's you know what actually Donna wants, or maybe that's how Sky and, and Sophie are. Yeah, possibly. I I think um, for sure there's little doubts seeded. It's the best way I could describe it is when I don't know somebody in your family brings a boyfriend or girlfriend round and they you just hate them instantly and they don't mesh. No. Mm. One thing I'm going to talk about, I like to find little links of other movies in these, but I found what I found was a slight Star Wars reference in mm. the, uh, when all three dads, it's a Mamma Mia version <laughs> of I Am Your Father. Oh. Because all three of them, you know, have their own individual scene once again, where they loudly proclaim that they are. Sophie's dad. Mm. An indirect Star yeah. Wars connection. An indirect Star Wars. I think it was interesting as well, like, Sam was the one that held on to being Sophie's father the most, whereas the other two, like, don't fight about who's going to give her away in things. If you get what I mean. Like, we have that whole song where it's like, winner takes it all, and she's saying that he can't, you know, give her away, and that she's going to give him away in things. But then, like, Harry and Bill just are like, that's fine. And they're just sitting in the seats. How Harry and Bill kind of just stepped back. But, like, what yeah. was what were you saying they stepped back from? Like, that Sam feels like the one that... Oh, you is... mean that fought his case against Donna the most? Yeah. And, right. and, like, toward... And then, like, not only that, but he also fights about trying to be the, the one who gives her away. Yeah, I think he, he, you know, Sam definitely, you can tell he has kids because he comes in with, uh, I think I know best, you know, um, I think I should, she wants this, mm-hmm. you know, she, uh, there's a, f- a few times where even though he's just met her, mm. he tells Donna that she's a smart kid, yeah, as if she hasn't raised her all her life. Yeah, that, that as if Donna doesn't know, yeah. which... Is a very, I feel like, male thing to do. Thing. Yes. 
Yeah. Mansplaining. Yeah, I think um, we brought up dancing earlier, and I've got to bring up the fact that I, I could be wrong. I haven't researched this, but I feel like everybody was singing in this movie. They, mm. they used their own voices. Yes. It was definitely pierces because at times it was a little dodgy. It's but a bit crackly at times. <laughs> you you got to respect the fact that he's trying. Mm. He could have easily just had someone sing a word. Yeah, Meryl. If that is, I'm pretty sure it is her own voice. Mm. Wow, what a voice she's got. Yeah. You know, um, Harry's is so distinct. It makes me feel like that's Colin Firth's actual voice. singing voice. If it's not, then it, it they've done really good casting. <laughs> yeah. I think, a, you know, Bill isn't a good singer either. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's done to the point where it's minimal, minimalistic, and it mm. works. This bit. Yeah, this is a good question for you. What are your actual favourite songs? I like the Dolce Modo Noli I think it's the most fun. I think it gives Tanya a chance to shine, but also, like, just allowing the space for older women to just be flirty and fun and not categorized as like old yeah people <laughs> but i also quite like um the honey honey one from the beginning i quite like that one too although you did say that you had a little bit of a problem with it didn't you yeah i mean the song itself is really fun and i love the way that the three girls get to interact and she really gets to explain her want in life. And I think it's great, for, especially in musicals, for like the female lead to get the chance to like sing or say what she wants as a goal. But I just thought it was a little weird that she was reading her mom's diary, especially since her mom was talking about uh, romantic, intimate moments with... I think it's with... done in a reserved way. I still think it's weird. I don't get weird vibes from it, but each of their own. Maybe it's just me. But Maybe. I just feel like if... Well, I do I do have journals, but if I had a diary and we had a kid and she was reading about a particular page that had a mention of or of an intimate encounter and she was, like, very excited about this, it'd be weird. <laughs> My favourite songs. is... Hands down, I got goosebumps when this song came on. Is SOS? Yeah. The the one between um Donna. Sam and Donna, I think, is great. I love that you brought a, up a good point, or you put it well while we were watching it. Is that they just keep missing each other? Yeah. They were the wrong place in the wrong time. Mm. When one leaves, the other chases, and it, they Vice just it, it's a circle. And then eventually, you know, the only thing that's separating them is that little bit of wall. Yeah. And they sing to each other. And I think um, even though Pierce's voice is a little bit dodgy in some parts, I feel like in that wall part. In that wall scene. Where he gets to just kind of scream and let it out. Yeah. He's probably the best there. Yeah. I, I think, think that's a great representation of, like, how close they want to be, but there's yeah. something in obstructing them. But it's the it's the closest you see them. How do we feel about the conclusion of the film, do you think? Was it a good wrap-up? Do you think it was a good climax, a good third act? Um, pretty forgettable, I found it. The ending? Was I, that your least favourite part? The ending was my least favourite part. 
I feel like it was quite interesting because obviously I haven't seen Mamma Mia up until this moment, but it had that same kind of ending as The Princess Diaries, where the younger character, the younger lead, doesn't get married, but the older lead does. And I was quite interested in the fact that that is something that happens in more than one film. Yeah, like um, I wrote down that it's like a typical romantic film wedding in this somebody stands up and says something and it does not go to plan when has a wedding in a a film film ever gone just directly as planned Mm. never and you know a lot of people stand up and then eventually the bride and groom don't even get married and they get replaced for other people yeah you know totally random but it's... I did like the bit where they all stood up for Sophie and said that you know that they wanted to be take responsibility of her and don't care if it, if she's actually theirs or not. Yeah, for me it was a it was quite that particular moment was a big uh, the apples and fall far from the tree mm. because Sophie is at the center and you see that her mum uh, you know stands up she she has so much to say but then even though we don't know which one of the men is her father they're also similar it could also it could be anyone yeah it could be anyone and i like that that mostly although hinted remains undisclosed yeah because our theory is that it's sam it's so much better that they didn't confirm anything yeah i think the director definitely has a favorite yes and I think but Donna then, has like, a favourite. Yeah, because Donna, like, if she's going to marry one of them at the end, she's going to have a favourite. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we learn not looking at Mamma Mia 2. We, we learn quite a lot about Donna's past with these men. And the stories that we hear, Sam is definitely the only contender for, like, marriage. The one that she's been with the longest, the one that she, like, describes missing the most, I think. You know, she she speaks about having a life or the life that could have been with Sam. She doesn't really talk about that with Bill or Harry. Yeah. I think definitely Harry was a fling. Sounds the way she talks about Harry is, is like a... I'm curious to see um, your opinion on how they stitch it in Mamma Mia 2. Yeah. Because um, kind of like this movie, Donna is just completely the main character. Yeah. It's he it's younger Donna and of course younger version of all these men. And uh, aren't the Tanya and Rosie in it too? They are in it too. Uh I will point out that Sophie's friends, the Scottish one and the slightly taller one, yeah. are just not remotely just completely gone from the second movie. Okay. One thing I did like about the climax of the film at the end was that Sophie gets the chance to like travel and that's something that she finally says that she wants to do because i feel like she's been very convinced of this wedding and fighting for it for so long even though it didn't feel right and then when she finally says like this let's just skip this and like grow up and see the world i quite like that did you get enough hints that that was potentially what she wanted i just i just felt like some of the scenes like when she is talking to Sam and she's like, I love him. It just felt like... But But Daddy, I love him. Yes. (laughs) And it just didn't felt quite 
like she was being believable. Like there wasn't enough substance behind yeah. it. But also I feel like Sky or whatever his name is. I think it's Sky. It is Sky. Is just so bad as a love interest. <laughs> He's my least favorite character. Yeah. Uh, that you you don't believe her because you know he's not great. You know? And they do stay together, which they I do. feel like is very, like, of a young person mindset to be like, let's not get married just yet, but let's, like, stay together and, like, see it out. Whereas I feel like some people with a bit more experience behind their back is like, well, if you don't want to get married, we're leaving, moving on with life. Do you know what I mean? Leading up to this wedding, mm. uh, one of the my favorite line of thoughts that this movie and the music takes me is the song where I uh, like the slip. I think it's slipping through my fingers. Mm. I'm not sure if that's the actual title of the song, but it's the one where Donna is just looking at it, just trying to enjoy every single moment she has with her child, because mm. uh, Sophie isn't a kid anymore. And he's just about to get married. Mm. But I think one of the most beautiful thoughts that has come out of this movie is that the song talks about enjoying or not enjoying the tiny moments that you have with children. Mm. The moments that you wouldn't think are special. Just until they're gone. Until they're gone. Until you, they're too you old. you realise that you're like never going to have that moment again. Yeah. I think it's a sweet line of thinking. Yeah. And I think it's very, like, natural for uh, Donna to feel that way. Yeah, of course. Okay, anything you want to bring up? Try to think. I got some stuff. Okay. I liked, uh, I liked the switch. Uh, like, uh, the movie ponders the question which one of these potential fathers is going to give her away. Yeah. And I love that. Like, cause I feel I felt bad yeah. for not considering Donna. See, like, I was so caught up in the whirlwind with Sophie. I was so caught up with Sophie about, like, which dad is going to yeah. be the one that she connects with the most. And I hadn't even thought about how unfair that is to Donna, who's raised her. And I think that's due to good directing and writing. Yes. Because they're, they're distracting you. Mm. From a first-time viewer point of view, like yeah. that. Didn't well, even... I, I'd, I'd, I've seen the movie, but mm. I didn't remember that. Mm. I thought um, when um, the the winner takes it all, mostly Donna's song, yeah. where Pierce just does a Superman pose and listens to that. <laughs> he is the most awkward in that scene. Because like, he sometimes is. he's not even looking at her, he's just standing there. The, the most dorky, I think, was when she actually just leaves, goes into the building, looks back, and it, the camera He's just so cut, far cuts away. to him being probably about a mile away, and he just screams, no, Donna. Yeah. I, thought, I, was, I couldn't <laughs> believe that was actually in the film. But cutting back to the winner takes it all, I thought Meryl did arguably the best performance there. Like, not only is she singing, but she's mm. combining character's emotions of anger, pain, sadness, and love mm. in a song that requires those things. I think also it, like, it gives Donna more depth to feel like she still has some unearthed anger about her past, which I feel like every human 
experiences. Yeah, and I think it makes sense that she she doesn't just go running back to this guy. That she's angry that he yeah. left for some woman that he didn't even want to marry. I thought there. I always, uh, you know, you need a good kiss mm. in a romance movie. You don't always get one. Yeah. Their first initial kiss. I don't know how much of it you remember. Of Donna and Sam. Or yes. So- do you? How much do you remember of it? I think it was very quick. Like they kiss. It's a very aggressive, full-on, open-mouth karate kid kiss. <laughs> and you're, you're surrounded by priests and. Yeah, everybody's there. I thought it was an awful kiss. I thought their second kiss, where they actually... What, in the party at the end? No, just moments after this. Mm. It's a little bizarre because it feels like they were going so ham on each Mm. other a second ago. But when the priest announces them, it's very soft and delicate. Yeah. So I thought it was a... Bad first kiss. But and a good was, second kiss. It was a kiss. good second kiss. How do you feel about Sky and Sophie's kiss as like the last kiss of the movie? I didn't even know that was in there. It was that forgettable apparently. Yeah. Like I just I don't get the ending yeah. didn't work for me. What about the ending was wrong? I just I don't know. I just felt like it they couldn't quite find a satisfying conclusion. So they just shipped they shipped uh <laughs> they shipped Bella off just on a boat and it's just a shot of the three dads and Bella. Donna. I said Bella? Yeah. Oh, Hotel Bella Donna. You'll learn about that when we <laughs> when we watch the second movie. You they shipped Sophie off, do you mean? Yeah, that's what that's what I meant to say. I think Sophie Donna's such a cool name and then Sophie's such a bad name. You hate Sophie. But then she's marrying a guy named Skye, so there's not the best names. It's quirky, though. I just can't believe Donna, of all people. Went with Sophie. Yeah. What what name do you think would fit better? Even Skye. Skye? Is better than Sophie. It seems like much more of a thing. I I would have thought she would have went for all out and named her daughter Aphrodite. Yeah. Something like... Like Sophie just... Very happy. As yeah. Tanya describes earlier in the film. I feel like there was a guy, maybe a producer, that was just like, oh no. We have to name her Sophie. Yeah, my daughter's name is Sophie. And it'll work better. You have to name her Sophie. Because it just seems random. But it's a small... Mm. It's a very small detail. I'm quite curious. The director's name is... How did we How did we decide this was pronounced? <laughs> Belida? Where is it? This one. Philidia. Philidia. Philidia Lloyd is the director, and I'm quite curious to see if she's done anything else. Because I think quite commonly, directors only do their women, and even if it's a hit, we'll do one, maybe two films. Yeah. But, because, like, productions don't trust women for some reason. Um, so I'm quite curious to see, like, if her directing... Because her directing in this is great. I feel like everybody... Is given the chance to shine. Everybody gets the right kind of. There's like the one scene where she like Donna's singing and we've brought this up a, a few times, and the winner takes it all and and as well with the the song about letting Sophie go and you can like she, she's definitely been directed into feeling all those emotions and it like 
it works. So I'm quite curious to see if this director comes back for the second film and or if she does another film where she develops those those skills. I was just going to say, I don't know if... I certainly don't feel like it was the same director. For the second one? Absolutely I not. swear if I look it up and it's a man, I'm going to be very upset. You think? Because, like, she, she directed the, the most successful film. Mamma Mia 1 will be the most successful. Hmm. And if she's done it successfully, why can't she do the second one? Unless right. she didn't want to do it. I think you should look it up right now. Who's the director for Mamma Mia 2? I thought, uh, I will say this for the second film. I will say this for the second film. The, uh, the and, and this film as well. Mm. The end credits, like the credits of these films, are normal credits. They sing. You know, they, they sing, they, they, they f- they've shot a scene for it, and they're quite memorable in that way. Uh, Mamma Mia 2's is actually vastly superior. Really? Yeah, but I just love that. It's it's the subtlest of links to James Bond in that they have such stylized intros and Mamma Mia being the total opposite of James Bond has. <laughs> stylized uh, endings. Yeah, credit. Uh, for Mamma Mia 2, here we go again, it is someone called Oi Parker. O-I Parker. Which just makes me sad. Is that all Parker? The, the writer slash director of Mamma Mia 2. It did feel like a man adapted the second one. You think? I haven't seen the second one either, but uh, the writer's name is Catherine Johnson, and I hope she also got more work after this, because... I, w- I wish I could tell you... Success. ...what route he took in the second one. <laughs> because it's not a good one. It's not good. But then, like... They bring in Cher out of nowhere, and I've heard from reviews that she doesn't fit the film at all. Cher is the least of your worries in oh. this movie. Oh, but that's the thing is like it ha- it happens in Twilight, controversial film. Most people don't like Twilight. I've never really vibed <laughs> with it. But female writer for the book, I think she also wrote the first film. Female director for the first film really successful didn't let the female director come back for the second film they replaced her with a man i'm pretty sure for the rest of the series yep oh no that's so rude i think she might have come back for one of the last ones but i could be wrong i have a feeling that that's wrong okay right right so as a first time viewer and we've talked about it in depth considering all those things how would you rate it out of five i'm thinking of four when I finished it, it was like a five. Four stars. But after this discussion, I'm thinking four. Just because I haven't really thought about the ending as in-depth if we've talked about it today. And you feel like after that, it's gone up in your opinion? Gone down. It's gone down? Because I went from five to four. You thought it was a five-star movie? Yeah. Wow, you really I'm enjoyed it. I'm usually quite harsh on my ratings. You usually are. But when I finished it, I just felt like it was so happy, so enjoyable, so exciting, so fun. I was like, five stars straight away. There's, there's... But after this, like after discussing the ending for so long and like thinking about how it feels teensy bit clunky, maybe four and a half. Just just a half point off. Yeah, I don't know if I think it's harsh to take a whole point off just for the teensy bit at the end. Yeah, I think there's. If you look at it and dissect it, you could probably find a decent amount of fault. 
But I think that's with everything. I but the, that's the thing. You have to dissect it mm. to find the fault. It's a fun movie. It's colourful. You come away from it, like, you, in a good mood. If you watch this movie and don't smile, I don't trust you. <laughs> and you hate fun. You hate fun. Yeah. Mm. I... Um, but I didn't give it as high a rating as you. What did you give? I'm a big fan of this movie, but I was a little bit... You were the one who, like, yeah, rallied for this movie. The fact, it that, is... the fact that you hadn't seen it all in one sitting, and you'd only ever seen YouTube clips, was... Of the music. <laughs> was just wrong. So I'm glad we've dealt with that. But I I actually checked my rating, and I gave it a three and a half. Mm. Three and a half is a really good rating, I think. Mm. I think it's that means it's a good film, mm. you know. What what? It's, a, those... it's over halfway. Yeah. What took those one and a half stars away? I think it's it's not necessarily that it something in the film took those stars away. Mm. It's just that there wasn't quite enough extraordinaire, extraordinaire, to push it to five stars. You just need a little bit something, something, something to get it going. Well, when I compare it to the best films I've ever seen, mm. there's, it, there's just not, it just doesn't run as far. For you. Yeah, like if I compare it to one of your favourite films, The Twelve Angry Men. Yeah. You know, like this, all of the good added up for me pushes it to five stars. All of the good for Mamma Mia doesn't. Yeah. But I still think it's a really good, enjoyable film that you could rewatch at any time. And I think there's a, like there's characters dads can feel resonated with. There's different types of dads that you can resonate with. There's Donna and the other uh, trio that you can resonate with. There's Sophie that can resonate with younger audiences. There's someone you can connect with on every age group. I think you really, you really could. And this phrase gets thrown around a lot, but you really could enjoy it with friends and family. Mm. You know, as well as it being, you know, a really good fucking start for uh, anything to do with karaoke. <laughs> Is that your number one karaoke song? What's I think if Mama I was. Mia? It's a solid choice. It's hard Which to go wrong with it. With? You pick one. Like, gimme, gimme. Anyone Brian is fine. Anyone is great. Mm. But yeah, so that's it. Three and a half stars and four and a half stars. I think that's everything that we have left to say. So yeah, this movie came out, you know, over ten years ago. Two thousand eight. Yeah, not a lot of people are talking about this movie <laughs> anymore. Anymore, but uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to us chat about Mamma Mia. Yeah. We'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.